Greetings, I'm Laura Puccival-Torta. Welcome to a new episode of my podcast, B is for Bisexual, Season 2, Episode 3. Today, at the end of 2023, we're going to do something different. This podcast is all about fiction writing. Creative writing means rewriting, and I've decided to update Grandma and B Traveled to New Mexico because the first time around, I did not articulate well enough the conflict going on between Grandma and B. One of my writers groups pointed this out to me, and so I decided to edit the story and present it again. Dear listener, I hope you are busy writing stories of your own, because creativity is essential. Reading with me today are my son, Dante. Hello. And my husband, Marco. Buongiorno. We all live and work in South Carolina. I'm an attorney and a content creator. My films include Bermuda, Disability, and the Disease Detective series, available on Amazon and the Tubi channel and other channels. A shout out to listeners in Germany, Mexico, Canada, Great Britain, South Carolina, Texas, and New York. At the end of this episode, I will tell you about something exciting and new that might interest you. And now, Grandma and B travel to New Mexico, revised version. I want to intern with Senator Boozer, said Beatrice. You know, so I can help bring more industry to the state. She was sitting on Grandma's couch, eating popcorn and studying her cell phone while Grandma watched her new favorite movie, Can You Ever Forgive Me, for the fifth time. Crikey, said Grandma Lorenza, who was practicing dance moves as she watched. She raised her elbows out to the side and swung her arms around like socks on a clothesline. Do you really think we need more industry here? I don't know, said Beatrice. Could bring more jobs. She went back to staring at her cell phone. Jobs, said Grandma. What kind of jobs? Factory jobs? Retail jobs? Just jobs, said Beatrice. The kind that pay money. Grandma snatched the popcorn bowl off the coffee table and popcorn flew everywhere. Don't be smartass with me. Bee stared at Grandma with hooded eyes. You used to work a job at the prison. Yes, said Grandma, arms akimbo, and I learned something from doing that. I learned what's important. What, like imprisoning people? I admit, I used to enjoy that job. Sometimes I could help people. Once in a while, this had been true, but the system was overwhelmingly stacked against helping anybody. Well, Dad told me that you you got that job at the prison because you couldn't hack law school said B. Grandma, who was scooping up popcorn from the floor, thought that her son was a slimy monster. Unfortunately, your dad would kill the entire planet for a dollar. We need to take a trip to Albuquerque together and Santa Fe. When Grandma's partner, Constance, was still alive, New Mexico had been one of their favorite places to visit. Are you kidding me, that foggy place? You'll see. Ever since filming her documentary on the P.D. Indian tribe of Dillon County, South Carolina, Grandma had worried about the future of America. 
aside from all the routine injustice? What about clean water, clean air, fresh vegetables, and the health of the honeybees? What about children? Jobs were important, but if they drained the life out of nature and the life out of the people, then maybe they were the devil's work. And the biggest devils around were the politicians. As B was getting older, she seemed to be getting blinder and stupider. Put that cell phone away, said Grandma, snatching it out of Beatrice's hands, and I'll switch off this movie. We need to look at a map and book us some travel. Do, 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 do. Plane flights were also the devil's work, but Beatrice had to finish high school, and her fall break was only a few days long. If Beatrice was destined to save the world, or at least help it to survive, she needed to see New Mexico. Luckily, Bee's parents, Winnie and Alberto, were vacationing in Canada where it was cool. Grandma seized the opportunity. Two days later, she and Beatrice were out west, riding on a train from Santa Fe to Albuquerque. It was hot but the air in the desert was drier and thinner than in South Carolina. The sky and the landscape were breathtaking. Grandma had wanted to revisit some paintings by Georgia O'Keeffe, but the museum in Santa Fe was booked up for weeks. Better to return to Albuquerque, where the citizens were more down to earth and the women, at least, used hair dye. So they were on the train. Beatrice was staring at her phone again. Look out the window, said Grandma. Beatrice continued to tap her phone. The landscape from the top floor of the train was stunning. Mountains and desert. Yellow rubber rabbit brush flowered along the tracks. Ditches filled with blue water divided the fields. Small stucco houses pebbled the dusty brown earth. The train stopped right after leaving downtown Santa Fe, and about 50 students bustled on board, laden with backpacks. They were like sunlight bursting onto the train. Brown skin, Siberian eyes, Zuni or Isleta maybe, thought Grandma. Skins was a slang word, and she didn't dare to say it out loud. The kids sat next to them and across from them, slinging their backpacks aside and pulling out their cell phones. Those damned phones. Grandma wanted to forcefully turn these kids' faces toward the window and peel open their eyes. The mountains were shining brown and pink, like one of Georgia O'Keeffe's paintings. The old-fashioned electric poles, some with dangling wires, often had green and clear glass insulators on them like the old-fashioned kind Grandma's fa father used to collect. The Indian boy sitting across from them on the train had stick-brown hair that almost fringed over his eyes. His skin was the color of strong iced tea. Grandma reached over and smoothed Beatrice's silky blonde hair, a sandier color than the yellow rubber rabbit brush flower. She then ran her fingers through her own exciting electric frizz. Grandmother and granddaughter, their hair was so different from one another, and yet they were kin. B had Grandma Lorenza's spirit. Grandma needed B to listen to her. Remember, B, tomorrow when we see George's paintings at the Albuquerque Museum, 
that that fox Scott Steiglitz had very little to do with her success, aside from setting up a gallery show for her, fucking her over, and leaving her for another woman. He died in 1946. She died 40 years later, worth $35 million just for being an artist. Both the teenagers stared at Grandma. My grandma is an artist, said the Indian boy. She carves designs on black pots for the tribal festivals. Oh, nice, said Grandma. Will she be at the cultural center this weekend? Yes, she's got the whole table out for the balloon festival. Do you go to the tribal school in Santa Fe? Yes, said the boy. Then he went back to his cell phone, but Grandma saw that B was looking at him, pretending not to studying him. What's your name, said Grandma. Lonan. Oh, a nice name. The railway porter, a tough white woman wearing a uniform, came around to check the passengers' fares. Grandma pulled the receipt from her pocket, and the porter nodded. Four dollars, sweetheart, the porter said, tapping Lonan on the shoulder. The students evidently paid less than the others, but Grandma was astonished that they had to pay any fare at all traveling home from high school. Lonan plunged his hand deep inside his backpack, but retrieved nothing. From the pocket of his pants, he pulled out one wrinkled dollar and handed it to the porter. Grandma considered paying the rest of the boys' fare herself, but she thought it would be an insult. Beatrice, instead, opened her small purse and handed the porter a five-dollar bill. I can pay for it, she said. Thank you, honey, said the porter. She registered the ticket on her handheld machine and ripped off a receipt for Lonin. Then she handed Beatrice two dollars in change. Lonin nodded at Beatrice and they both went back to their cell phones. Grandma patted Beatrice's arm. The children weren't fondling their phones so much anymore. Maybe they were only pretending to look at their screens, reading each other's minds. When the train stopped at the Pueblo with the big sign that said Indian Store, Lonan gathered up his things to get off the train. He hesitated for a moment. Come to my house. Meet my grandmother, he said. Beatrice sat forward in her seat. Oh, no, thank you, said Grandma quickly. Your grandma would go apeshit if we just walked in. Maybe we'll see her art at the tribal festival. I enjoyed meeting you, Lonan. Thanks for paying the fare, said Lonan. I forgot my wallet. He gave Beatrice a fist pump. Beatrice's face turned red. They watched the children pile off the train. Some wackadoodle older greasy guy was making whooping noises whenever the girls walked by. Hey, porter, yelled Grandma. You need to kick that abusive person off the train. Boop, 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 boop. The Albuquerque Museum of Art was more beautiful than Grandma had remembered. There was a small restaurant inside that was remarkably void of tourists and an exhibit on Georgia and the sculptor Henry Moore. The two had worked separately but in parallel, creating their art during the difficult 1900s. There were huge sculptures, huge paintings, and short films about each artist. Well, that's pretty cool. I like all the bright colors, said Beatrice. I like the films, said Grandma. 
and the airy modern museum building. The only thing better than this was that exhibit at the Metropolitan Museum in New York on Alice Neal. Grandma's favorite piece at the show in Albuquerque was a small egg-shaped sculpture by Moore with latticework inside. After the museum, they headed back to downtown Albuquerque. The drift driver who carried them back from Old Town had, was a wheelchair user who enjoyed talking with Grandma about rap. They rem reminisced about T-Pain's song, Low, 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 low. Oh, now that's an old school song said the driver. No way, said Grandma. That was my jam at the gym. Beatrice rolled her eyes. They ate tacos and ramen at the 505 food court, three blocks away from their hotel. The music there was too loud. For a frou-frou hotel like the Andalus, said Grandma, this sure is a rat-infested neighborhood. But the accents were varied and the people watching, rich. On Saturday, they struggled to reach the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center without many drift drivers available. A Nigerian guy finally picked them up, but he did not want to talk. Maybe he was hungover or just bored. The Cultural Center was busy and hopping. The sound of drums greeted them at the front door near the restaurant. They paid to go out back and see the dancers. The first thing they noticed about the dancers, three teenage girls and two boys, was their colorful fancy clothes, too hot for the new Mexican sun. All five children danced. They were sweating as adult men played the drums and sang. The smallest boy called out the step changes as he attempted to kill the deer played by the other boy. Grandma clapped along. Beatrice folded her arms across her chest. Deer and Hunter chased each other back and forth as the girls danced, back straight, hands held out in front of them. The girls wore boots and chubby white leg coverings. In the audience, a small blonde girl danced with abandon until, unfortunately, her mother shushed her and pulled her aside. Grandma wanted to dance too, but she restrained herself. The rhythm appealed to everybody. Beatrice just smiled and watched the dancers. Everyone applauded wildly at the end. That was beautiful, said B. Between dances, a gaggle of teenage boys gathered to sneak look at the dancer girls. The boys whispered and made many rude comments. Which one do you like? Skins. The one on the right. They had picked the shorter, smaller girl. Grandma glared at the boys as they scampered away, just like skinny kids with floppy hair and boatloads of attitude, three different colors of skin. After grooving to the dances, Grandma and Bee perused the tables of arts and jewelry on the side. There were fancy clay jars, necklaces, and colorful woven backpacks. Bee headed for the table of jars with black glaze, pictures etched onto them. Lonan, said Beatrice. There he was with an older woman who was sitting in a lawn chair stoically as many tourists touched and commented on the designs. There were images of deer dancers and triangular borders on some of the jars. Lonan smiled. 
He and Beatrice fist bumped. Hi, I'm Lorenza, said Grandma. We met your grandson on the train. The older woman nodded. I heard about you. She said something to Lonan in an Indian language. Lonan pointed to one of the smaller pots. She says you can have one of these for free. Oh, thank you. It's lovely, said Grandma. I want to buy one of the bigger pots also and have them both shipped back to South Carolina. She pointed to a pot with a female dancer wearing all of the regalia, including headdress and chubby leggings. That's a nice one, said Lonan's grandmother. I made that after my daughter, who was a dancer when she was in high school. She's a nurse now. I hope you have other pots like it with your daughter's picture on them. Yes, I do. Beatrice and Lonan continued to smile and stare at one another. Please put a card inside the bigger pot, said Grandma, so we can have your email address. She pulled her own filmmaker card outside of her small coach purse and gave it to the grandmother. Here's my information. The grandmother glanced at the photo of Grandma Lorenza smiling on a film set and dropped it into a shopping bag. Then she went back to staring at the crowd. This was the most they were going to get from her this time, this calm silence. Thank you for the beautiful artwork, said Grandma. We enjoyed talking with Lonan on the train. She pulled Beatrice away from the table. The Native Museum was informative about everyday things, such as weaving, cooking, and medicinal herbs. There were several exhibits about the tribal language. Grandma put on the headphones and listened to the sounds of the languages. After eating fry bread in the native restaurant, Grandma and Bee got a drift ride back to the hotel. Neither the driver, nor Grandma, nor Bee was talking much. They took the elevators to the seventh floor of the hotel, showered, collapsed onto the beds, and slept. The next day would be an early slog to the airport. Beatrice was soon asleep and snoring. Please don't grow up to be like your father, Grandma murmured before falling asleep. The airport was terrible, but Grandma managed to survive the trek, the waiting in line, and all the airport indignities without exploding by imitating Lonan's grandmother. She spent the long line to reach the security checkpoint, doing some serious people watching. There were tall people and short people, pajamas, shorts, and saris, men wearing disgusting flip-flops and women dressed in fancy business suits. Some ripped jean puzzle head with a backpack jumped the line in front of, a, of about 20 people. But Grandma stayed silent about this, unusually stoic. She let the fat man in front of her do all the yelling. Do you have Lonan's email address? Said Beatrice once they were settled on the plane. I have the grandmother's. Okay, maybe I'll send him a message. Would be nice. I wonder how he lives. You saw him, said Grandma, and all the nature, the mountains and the pueblos. But what's his house like? Simple or fancy, said Grandma, or Spanish conquistador. Maybe modern or a little bit crazy. The important part is his tribe has been there for 15,000 years or 1,500 maybe, and they have not ruined the landscape in all that time because they respect nature. Beatrice nodded. 
Her eyes hooded over. She went to sleep. Grandma stared out at the clouds and worried about the future. And that, dear listener, is the end of our story. And I want to let you know that my film team and I, including Dante and Lynn Cornfoot, have just finished another episode of the Disease Detective series called The Disease Detective Looks at Aphasia. And we hope that that will be on a streaming channel soon, like Amazon and Tubi. Thank you, and goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you, and goodbye.